Hi, this is Jan Kabili. Welcome to The Fix, the podcast that's all about Photoshop, Lightroom, and what you do to a photo after the shoot. In this episode of The Fix, I'm excited to bring you Bonnie Lahota. Bonnie is a friend of mine and a unique mixed-media photo artist. Her work hangs in museums and galleries throughout the world, including the Smithsonian. In this episode, Bonnie is going to show us a process she's developed for transferring photos to metal. She's also developed lots of other unique hand processes for starting with a photograph and making art by transferring them to canvas, wood, paper, metal, and other surfaces. Let's talk to Bonnie a bit about her art, and then she'll take us step-by-step through transferring photos to metal. Bonnie Lahota, how are you? I'm fine. I'm awfully glad to be here. Thank you. Well, this is going to be a really exciting interview because you do something that I think many of our guests are not familiar with. You start with photo-based art, and you make it unique and special using hand processes. Now, that's my description of what you do because I've seen some of it. Can you maybe describe in a little more detail what it is you do for our viewers and for our audio listeners? Well, I'm a mixed-media artist, and my training is in printmaking and painting. And I added photography to my box of toys and tools when I bought a computer in the early 90s. The way I approach the photograph is to consider it an ingredient in my work. So I may use Photoshop to chop it up into pieces or change the color or just take texture from it and then add that to a traditional media piece. Or I will scan textures and surfaces that I make and put those into the photograph. So, so you, do, you do some of the work in Photoshop? Absolutely. A great deal of it, in fact. Uh, because the final print that I end up transferring to another service is created in Photoshop. Cool. So, but then it's the transferring to the other surface that I think makes it so unique, so different. Can you describe a little about that? Yes. In the last six years, I've written three books uh, uh, that are published by Peach Pit. And in those books, I teach people how to uh, take a digital image, print it on a clear film, and then using super sauce and a wonder sauce that I also developed, to and you apply those sauces to a surface and then lay that print down on it and wait three or four minutes and you pull off the film and the image then transfers to the other substrate. Fantastic. So, And what are the substrates that you use? Uh, stone paper and wood and marble and plaster and gelatin, glass, plexiglass, anything at all. Uh, I even get aluminum sheets and I put them in my dishwasher and I cook them in the dishwasher three or four times to turn that aluminum into a a beautiful patinaed surface that then interacts or reacts with the photograph that I've transferred to it. Fantastic. Now, do these these photographs look realistic or are they... um uh, they do scratch surfaces. What do they look like for the most part? Well, they, they can look like a Polaroid. In fact, a friend of mine uh, said they looked like a Polaroid transfer on steroids. And the other thing that can happen is uh, you can transfer to wood and, and then varnish it. So you can uh, put the image on a tabletop. Uh, they can be very durable. You can put them on your kitchen cabinet or directly on a plaster wall. So there's a lot of ways of using the photograph that is that have not been appreciated or looked at by the artist. 
I just wish that um, I could be there in your studio with you making some right now, because I know it's not only uh, a really beautiful process, but it's a lot of fun too, isn't it? Oh, it's a blast. Uh, I just did a workshop with uh, 15 or 20 people and they just went wild. I mean, they were outside sanding wood and wetting it and raising the grain and, and working through it. And what I told them was that all this busy work that they do, cooking the plates and sanding, that's the mechanical, rhythmic process that frees the creative side of your brain so that you can be thinking about what are you going to put on this piece of wood that you're manipulating and distressing and changing and how is that going to integrate with the photograph? So they came back in, and then they said, oh, I just made this. So they pulled out a plate and said, oh, my, look at the way the iron made patterns on the plate. And, oh, that'll go with my picture of my cabbage. And then they put those together and come up with something brand new. What they end up with is a piece of artwork that is one of a kind. So what this does for the artist is, or photographer, it gets – away from the idea that people have that if you take a photograph, all you have to do is hit the print button on your printer. And you can just sit, keep hitting that print button and the stuff comes out and they're replicated. So a collector doesn't have a great deal of value in that ease of replication. So my whole approach to the way I work and I teach people is that take that beginning photograph that you love that you've worked on and manipulated in Photoshop, but then take it to another level and make something one of a kind and unique so that when someone buys it, they know that no one else has one. That's a great idea. But it seems to me that you actually could use the same image over and over again in different ways um, because there is a printer involved in this in between uh, the creation of the photo in the camera and the final product transferred onto wood or metal or glass. Isn't that correct? That's correct. In fact, I just got done fit, uh, printing a image, uh, 10 copies of it, on clear film, and I transferred it to metal. I transferred it to a cracked uh, Venetian surface. I transferred it to wood and plexiglass and sent them off to somebody as samples for a proposal for a project so they could see all the different ways this one image could fit into their environment and yet not be replicated in somebody else's space. Oh, Bonnie, that's that's just a great idea. I love that. And so in a way, you're um, involving the audience or the person who wants to purchase your project in the art-making process. They get to choose too. They do, and they, they love it. Uh, you know, it, it, I have to think back to when I did a project at the Smithsonian and the uh, Smithsonian decided to collect my work into their collection. And we asked because the, the other two people I worked with were also being collected. We asked them, well, would you like this on uh, spun bonded polyester? Would you like it on metal? And the curators just said, oh, what? <laughs> because they were so used to an artist just simply making the work and presenting it. And they really didn't know how to respond to that. Uh, so what they ended up doing is taking what we suggested and then they sent their uh, archivists into meetings with each one of us and said, now tell me how you made it. And they took notes and everything. And, and they, interestingly, they wanted the digital file. Oh, of course. That, well, yeah, but that isn't the art. That's the, the thing that I, at the time, I don't think they understood. 
the digital file is not the artwork. The artwork is the physical object that is outside the computer. Yet they still wanted that digital file. I did a public art project in Denver, and they wanted the digital file. And I said, but that won't do you any good. But they wanted it because they didn't really fully understand the connection between the computer and the handmade piece of art. Well, I know that later in the program, you're going to very generously show us how you make at least one of the many kinds of transfers um, that you do, a transfer of a photograph or a photographic image onto a metal plate. So we're really going to be excited to see how to do that. But before we do, I think people would be interested in how you got into this, because this is very unique, and most photographers don't end up doing this sort of work. Oh, well, I started this back in the early 90s. Uh, I was doing traditional artwork and very successful at it. And then the bottom fell out of the art market. And both my sons were graduated from college and fully employed. And I decided now was the time that I could go explore something new. And so I went off to Macworld and just looked at everything and got very excited about it and came back and uh, started assembling all the tools that I needed to go in this really new direction. Uh, after I did that, I have to admit, I spent 10 years just playing with industry and exploring technology and not creating anything that I ever sold and nothing that I ever taught. And it was after that that I decided I, I really had a lot to share because what was happening is I was coming up with all these great solutions on how to work and I had no problems. So that's when I decided to put all these solutions into the books and say, okay, I don't work this way, but look at this cool thing you can do. And then, you know, Peach Pit said, well, yeah, we'll publish that. So the Digital Alchemy book came out, and that's how it grew over the years. It was totally unplanned. But I remember, I, for people may not know, we've been uh, – acquaintances for a long time because we both live in Boulder, Colorado. And I had the good fortune to meet Bonnie back when I was in grad school. And she was there showing some of the grad students how to do some of these processes that she developed. And I remember you talking at that time about how you had started when technology, at least in the photographic field, was pretty young. And um, people were not doing the sorts of work that you were doing at the time. And therefore, you were able to get the interest of the printing companies, as well as galleries and museums like the Smithsonian. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. We Actually, uh, myself and my two associates, Dorothy Krauss and Karen Schmenke, uh, got uh, um, connected with a lot of industry people, uh, Adobe, Epson, Muto, uh, the people that made RIPs. And we were able to use their printers and their software to create artwork. And at the time... Those people said, oh, no, our, print, our printers are just for making signs. And I convinced them that this would be a great thing to bring into the studio and create artwork with it. And, as a res and in order to get, I should add, to payback, I have had um, uh, hundreds of articles published about how all this equipment is used and its potential. The most recent thing that I've been using are the... Uh, Roland printers, the UV flatbed printer, which I think is the new exciting uh, process for photographers because UV flatbed printing can print on any surface and it sticks and it cures immediately and it has depth. Uh, the the uh, BN20 bench uh, benchtop printer is only 12 inches square, 
But I'm currently working on a project, making a piece that's going to be five feet tall and 12 feet wide that's going to go into a hospital on this little 12-inch square printer because it's going to be tiled. And what else this printer does that's really exciting, it prints with white ink and it prints with gloss. So you can cover your whole image and have like a resin coating on it. And the resin's uh, look is very popular. Uh, A lot of artists are using it, but the resin that you buy now is very toxic. So to be able to do that with an inkjet printer and get the same look, it's it's amazing. It's just absolutely an amazing technology. That's really exciting. I think I did see the Roland printers um, when we were fortunate to work together at the ADIM conference, Russell Brown's conference a couple of years ago. Yes, yes. That was uh, one of the first introductions of uh, the folks at Adobe to this technology. And I think they're currently using it on another project this weekend, uh, printing 500 portraits at the EG conference. So it's, yeah, yeah, which and it's amazing. And we just got done using that printer also at the Adam 14, Adam 15 conference. And you know, it was just a treat to see how everybody, you think, oh my gosh, look at that. You know, it just comes, you can put right on the canvas and it's beautiful and rich and textured. Something that you don't get out of an inkjet print. And it, it really sets a different mark for people who are doing photography and want to move into a more creative way to do it. Now, this isn't the only process, the one you're describing, that you've tried over the years. I remember seeing your lenticular prints. Could you describe those for people? Oh, the lenticular. Yes, I was, again, very lucky to meet up with the man who was developing lenses uh, for use with inkjet printers and had the opportunity to produce the first exhibition ever of lenticular inkjet prints. And they were um, done with a very beginning software that took 40 hours to interlace an image. And if it didn't look quite right, you got to interlace it for another 24 hours. Also, when we started doing those, uh, Photoshop couldn't handle anything over 30,000 pixels. And so I was slicing my images in half and in thirds and interlacing them and then reassembling them all. So it was quite a challenge to do that. Uh, and I was just had a great time exploring that technology too and what are the can you describe what those prints do are those the ones that change depending where you're standing they do they they're three they can be three-dimensional uh immersive 3d now with some of the lenses they have and if you walk past them you can also make them so they're animated Uh, one of the uh recent installations i did was for children's hospital in denver where they have aquariums in all of the uh a lot of the waiting areas but there was one particular place where they could not have aquariums. So I think I have three or four aquarium lenticulars installed in the space. So they are 3D fish tanks. Oh, fantastic. Uh, I'm going to see it. That would yeah. be great. Well, there, there's also another one in uh, the Brighton Hospital. And I put the, the fish in uh, round like portals hanging on the wall and they're in the children's emergency room waiting area. And one of these lenticulars has a very large turtle that floats out about eight inches into the room. And the children were so intrigued with these things. They would try to catch the turtle and they ripped them off the wall. So they had to rebuild the wall and then bolt these things into the studs because their kids are so captivated with, you know, these 
fish and this big turtle hanging out in the middle of the room. That's really magical. Yeah, it was. It was a lot of fun to do that project. So you've described some terrific projects. I know people are going to want to see these. Where can they go online to see some of your work? Uh, my website is lahota.com, L-H-O-T-K-A.com. And then all of these cool processes and products that I've developed that I'm sharing with people um, are available through dasart.com, D-A-S-S-A-R-T.com. And I have uh, the books are there. You can also get the books uh, on Amazon, and they are available as ebooks or in hardcover. I have one here if you want. Oh, have you seen this book? Oh, yes. Who's this, this, guy? Is, this is Russell Brown on the cover of my second book, The Last Layer. The thing about that book that I really, I, I, it's my favorite book of the three, because in that book, I looked back on early alternative photographic processes. And I brought them to the future. I said, okay, what can I do to make a tintype? How could I, without being exposed to chemicals, uh, what could I do with the chlorophyll prints? And how could I make a a gallon of chlorophyll that I could paint on a lot of papers and then expose them out in the sunlight? So there's a lot of that alternative photographic uh, looking back, but getting away from, totally away from chemicals. But clearly the work has the influence of that early photographic process. And this is a fantastic book for people who want to try techniques like this because it takes you through, it walks you through. And I think there's also a, a DVD in here, is there not? Uh, no, the first book had the DVD. Ah. But that, you know, we didn't put it in the second book. The third book called Hacking the Digital Print, which I don't have a copy of that here, but that one uh, has a, a lot of ways to manipulate the world before you ever take your picture. I went to the hardware store and I bought PVC pipes and I tested them on the ends of my camera over the lenses. And then I hung mylar and sparkle and mirrors and all things in front of the lens and took pictures and they're wonderful round pictures. Uh, Kind of, they look back at the first uh, Kodak camera, the number one camera. So these beautiful kaleidoscope-like images that you don't manipulate in Photoshop, they're done when you take the picture. Uh, my next step is to see if I can do the same thing with an iPhone. But they, I'm they, sure you can. You know, I, you know I, if I had enough time. <laughs> I know, you have so many ideas. And you keep coming up with more ideas. What inspires you? I can't turn it off. You know, my brain just keeps, sometimes I think it's a plague that I I think, oh, I wish these little ideas floating around in the air, all of a sudden some things clink together and I have a solution again to a problem I did not have. Um, A perfect example of that is, you know, I I have this super sauce, alcohol-based thing that moves the image. And I thought, well, what, what if I could do it with water? And so I just woke up one morning and thought, okay, back in 1970, Five, I was making cast paper, and then here I was doing colograph prints, and I was doing, um, you know, all kinds of other media, and little bits and pieces from all of that experience came together, and I went over to the studio, and I said, put some things together, and I painted it on a surface, and I slapped it down. Lo and behold, I was able to move an image with water. Wow. And, and, and so that's where the wonder sauce came from. 
And it is a beautiful process, so simple to do. To do. And it, it moves an image to any smooth surface that's relatively non-absorbent. And, and my husband, in fact, who is uh, taken up photography now, he's over at my studio right now doing his own Wondersauce transfers. Oh, that's so neat. So now Wondersauce is an actual product that people can purchase from the DOSART website, correct? Yes, and it comes in a clear and it comes in white. So if you want to transfer an image to a black surface, you can paint this on and you can have an image show up and have this beautiful vignette of black or a aged metal border all around the image. So are you going to use some Wonder Sauce in the technique you're going to show us? Yes, it is a Wonder Sauce uh, full tutorial. People can really understand how it works. It's not hard at all, and uh, I hope they enjoy doing it. So what is it? It's uh, transferring what to what? Uh, you print your image on a clear film, which is the film that we also sell with uh, photo black inks. And then the uh, sauce is painted on a sheet of metal, and it's rolled down. And then when you uh, peel it off, you dry it with a hair dryer, and then you get to drop this thing in a big tray of water, like in the dark room when they used to rock the prints to develop them. You rock the print to get the slime. I call it the slime. It's actually the inkjet pre-coat that moved, but we call it desliming. You rock the print until this slime floats to the surface, and then you take it out and you rinse it off, dry it with a hairdryer, and it's so bonded to the metal that it does not scratch off with your fingernails. So what you end, And what you end up with then could be a straight photograph transferred onto a piece of metal, doing the work yourself, not sending off to a third party. Exactly. Team. It's very easy. Yes, you can, have your, you can just use the metal raw and have an absolutely uh, smooth aluminum sheet and just transfer the metal to it and then have this luminosity from the metal coming through the photograph. Well, that's really exciting. So why don't we go ahead and see how you do that technique. Before we switch over to see that, um, I want to make sure that people understand that if they're interested in any of these techniques and and or want to see your work, they can go to your website, which is lahota.com, L-H-O-T-K-A.com. Um, or dasart, D-A-S-S-A-R-T.com to purchase the products used in some of your processes. Is that right? That's correct. And I also will probably be teaching two workshops this summer. And they can check on the website uh, for those also. And where are those workshops? Uh, They're going to be in my studio in Boulder. So some people get to see everything I do. And I've got 3,000 square feet. It's a great space. People love it. I'll tell you, I've been to Bonnie's studio. It is just a playground for an artist. It is, oh, I want to live there. (laughs) I I know you do. I know. I do do live there, Jan. (laughs) Not really, but sort of. (laughs) I could live there. That's right. Okay, so now we're going to switch over and see how to train. Well, why don't you say what it is again? See how to transfer a digital print onto a metal plate using the DOS Wonder Sauce white solution, and the plate it's transferred to is a black metal. Great. Thanks, Bonnie. Thank you very much. The new Wonder Sauce from DAS is an amazing product. It's water-based, so it's very usable in schools and with children. It will give you the experience of doing image transfers that have been printed on an inkjet printer on the DAS clear film. And when you print the image, you will use the premium films and 
photographic pigment inks. Uh, we do not want to use the matte black inks because during the transfer process with a water-based product, the matte black inks can run. So once you have your image printed, let it dry overnight and then you'll be ready to do a transfer. You want to be very careful not to leave the ink side up in the air where it could gather dust and debris because that will ruin your image. I'm going to be transferring that image to this metal plate that has been aged in Cascade dishwasher detergent in a cooler overnight with uh, near boiling water. The aluminum turns almost black. Uh, if you take it out after an hour it would be a bronze color, but that's another whole project. Apply blue tape rolled backwards to the back side of your plate and place it on a good solid clean surface and press it down. Be careful not to get your fingerprints on the plate. One of the things I do like to do if I have handled the plate a lot or if it has uh, been stored for a while is I will pour a little bit of 91% isopropyl alcohol on the plate and wipe it down. This will remove all oils that might have gathered on the plate if it's been sitting around for a good long while. When you do that, you might see that some of the uh, tarnish on the aluminum does come off on the rag. Now to get a good transfer, you need to do what I call an alignment of your image so that it rolls down onto the uh, substrate very, very smoothly. So to do that, you're going to take a second plate that's the same size as the one that you've aged, and it's going to get placed just about a sixteenth of an inch away from the receiving plate. You're going to tape that down really well so that nothing can slide. If when you're rolling your image down, the plate slides, you're not going to get a good image. To apply the image to the plate, you use a soft paint roller. The paint roller is not rolled. We don't roll it across like this. It's a mistake a lot of people make. The paint roller is soft and it is used to just push your image down across the uh, plate. Now that I know that that's good and clean and there's no dust on it, I'm going to position my image over the plate and I've made my image a little bit larger uh, than the plate itself and I think I'm going to position it about like that. Now you'll want to have uh, clear film on both ends and the reason for that is that's going to let you be able to roll this down and have a good edge on your image. I'm going to position that just about like that so there's a little bit of overlap. I had made my image slightly larger than the plate so that I knew that I would go fully off. We'll use blue tape and tape that down to the alignment board and take your paint roller, place it on the left edge and roll the print back. I'm going to show you here first the procedure for sliding this across. The paint roller needs to be wider than the, the receiving plate of course. You're going to push this and you notice how I keep the film very horizontal 
the roller is pushing this down. And in that pushing motion, at the same time, I'm removing any bubbles that might have happened when I applied the coating. This Testing this will also give me an opportunity to feel this side and see whether or not there's any debris or any pieces of lint or anything that I could feel on there that might damage my transfer. So it seems very good to me. So now, whoop, double check, make sure you haven't got anything on there that you don't want. One last wipe won't hurt. The Wonder Sauce is a water-based product. I'm using the white, but it also comes in a clear version. And you can shake this up a little bit because the white pigment can settle to the bottom. Okay, you'll never dip a brush into this jar because to do so would contaminate the liquid and introduce bacteria and grit and stuff that would then ruin future transfers. I use a Gen polyfoam brush to apply the Wonder Sauce to my plates. I like these brushes because they also work in the Super Sauce, which has a alcohol base, and we can leave the brush in there. So the Gen brush needs to be washed with warm soapy water uh, to get any sizings out of it. By pre-wetting it, you also are able to uh, keep any air bubbles from forming as the Wonder Sauce is absorbed into the brush. So once you wet the brush, squeeze it out in a paper towel, and now you'll, the brush is nice and soft. Pour about a tablespoon of the Wonder Sauce right in the center of the panel, set that aside, and then we're going to spread the Wonder Sauce over the whole plate. There is a component in here that will keep this from evaporating too fast. Now you'll notice that this is very stringy, and it's that stringy quality that allows the image to be pulled off of the premium DOS film. So you want to spread this very nicely, smoothly across. If you see uh, air bubbles in the surface, it's important to remember that as you're starting to roll it down because you'll want to give a little bit of extra pressure when you apply the film so that the uh, roller smooths out the bubbles. Notice how I go around. You don't go back and forth like this because you're going to pick up that stringy stuff and drag it back across. You go off and around, off and around, and around. And keep doing that until you get a nice, smooth, glassy-looking surface. This white is not 100% opaque, so you do get this beautiful, soft finish to the print. Now, I do see some bubbles in there, but those are okay because as I roll this down, I'm going to be putting enough pressure on it that it's going to push those out. So a nice, even, smooth pressure all the way across. Don't let this flop down at the end. Hang on to it until you get all the way off. 
and we're going to count to 60 seconds now and then remove the film. This is a one minute little hourglass. If you leave it on any longer, it's likely not to pull off. So when our minute is up, then remove the tape. Make sure as you're removing the tape that that time is counted in that one minute. Our time is up. Now begin by just folding back the corner a little bit. Make sure that everything is sticking before you go pulling it off completely. Okay, I'm pulling this off. It's beautiful. Looks like a perfect transfer. As this comes off, you're going to see that the emulsion from the film is sticking to the surface and it looks really irregular and kind of uh, all like gummy-like on the surface. Don't worry about that because we're going to wash that off. Now, you notice I pulled this off fairly horizontally. If you were to pull this up straight up, you're going to pull the image off of your plate. So be very careful about how you pull this off. You can see that it was a perfect transfer. All of the image has come off of the film. Take about two minutes with a hair dryer and dry the surface. You'll see some shiny spots and dull spots. Don't worry about that. The shiny spots are the emulsion that is now laying on top of the image. That's going to be washed off in the next step. Now, for those of you who miss rocking your prints in a dark room, this is the next step we do with this print. Uh, it's totally dry. I use a hair dryer on it for about two minutes. This is cool water in here. And this is going to soak in the cool water. And what this is going to do, it's going to dissolve the emulsion that moved with the film. Um, we're going to rock this for a minute, maybe two minutes. What this will do, it will loosen the emulsion that is on top, and I call this desliming. This desliming will uh, make the image be very flat and even in its uh, gloss on the surface, or lack of gloss. As this is beginning to dissolve, if you watch it carefully, you'll start to see, let me lift this up, start to see that emulsion loosen from the surface. So I'll put this back in. Just keep rocking it. You'll start to see this slime come to the surface. Let me pick it up again and show you. There's a slime. It's on this, this side of it over here. You can see it's slipping across. You want to get that off of here completely. This just takes a couple of minutes. I'll let this settle now and I think you can really see where the slime is here up on the surface. And it's like, it's, it's a skin. Let me see if I can pick this up. This is what's coming off. That's that extra inkjet emulsion on the surface of the uh, premium film. And it's because of that that the water-based transfer works. Now, if you have access to a sink, uh, 
when this is done, I think it's getting pretty much there now, when this is done, you'll take it over to a sink and do a final rinse again with cool water to make sure all of it has come off. Sometimes it likes to stick in one spot or another. That looks pretty good. This is our final image. I washed it for another two minutes under cool running water in the sink to get the remaining uh, emulsion off of it. There is that second layer of emulsion that is not a skin and while you're washing it, if you touch it ever so lightly, don't rub it, just touch it, you'll be able to feel when that slime is gone. Usually takes a minute or two on something this uh, size and then dry it with the hair dryer again. But this is the finished Wonder Sauce White Transfer on Blackened Aluminum. Wasn't that fascinating to see how Otis Bonnie Lahota transfers photos onto metal substrates? I hope some of you give this technique a try using Bonnie's products, her film, and her DOS Art transfer medium. And you can get those on her website, dosart.com. If you do try it and you want to share your work with us, don't forget that you can upload your photos and work to the comments on this podcast at thisweekinphoto.com slash thefix. And if you want to see other great photo processes, join me again right here next week for another episode of Twit the Fix. Mm -hmm.